Laundry isn't always fun to do, is it? Nor is taking out the trash, nor is doing dishes, nor is cleaning up after yourselves. All these daily tasks that we have to do, and it's just never fun to do it. But I found a secret that can make even these things, even the most mundane things, exciting and adventurous. At least my son thinks so. This past week, rather than saying, hey, Evan, can you do this for me? Just phrase it this way. Let's go on a mission. And just like, yeah, he looked up at me now. He's excited about it. But earlier this week, Evan and I went on a mission to do some laundry. And he was all excited about it. And throughout the rest of the week, I'd hear him whispering to himself, let's go on a mission downstairs over and over again. He's a mission-oriented kid. That's all I know. But this morning, we're going to look at a mission in God's word, a mission that God tells us about. God told Malachi that he was going to send his messenger on a mission. So we're going to look at who this messenger is and what this mission was. He says that the, message, the mission comes in three parts. The first part is to prepare, and the second part to purify, and finally to present. To prepare, to purify, and to present. So open up your Bibles and follow along with me as we look and see just what this mission is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. It's Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change, and therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We pray that you would sanctify us in your truth this morning. Open up our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Right away in this text, we see that there are two messengers that are here. There's one messenger who is coming to prepare the way, and there's another messenger who is coming that has a few more things to do. More information is given on the second messenger and his mission, but the first messenger can't just be ignored. We have to look and see what his mission was as well, because his mission was very important. What was his mission? His mission was to prepare the way before me. Which begs the question, why does the way need to be prepared? Was this second messenger who was coming not able to clear the own sticks from his path? Or could he not walk on the path that was set before him? That he needed to be prepared? And the answer is no, that's not what needed to be prepared. But instead the people needed to be prepared for the second messenger who was coming. The people needed to be ready because of who this second messenger was, who he is. As the text identifies him as the Lord. 
They needed to be ready because the Lord was coming. They didn't know when he would come, as the scripture says. He will suddenly appear in his temple. They didn't know when he was coming, but they knew that he was coming. And so the messenger was coming to prepare his people. But Malachi warns the people what his coming would be like. He says, but who can stand? Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? That the Lord was coming, the creator of the universe, the king of the world, is coming here. The God who is holy, holy, holy. The one who told Moses, no man can see me and live, is coming here. Who can stand before his presence? Who can endure the day when he comes? This holy God was coming to this world and the world was in no shape to receive this God. God sent a messenger to prepare the way. And all four Gospels identify this messenger as John the Baptist. So it's without a doubt we know that this messenger was John the Baptist. But what was his, how did he go about preparing the people? John preached the Gospel. John baptized people for the forgiveness of sins. He was preparing the hearts of the people to receive this Savior of the world, the one who would come and take away the sin of the world. John was telling them, He is coming. John's message was this. One is coming with his winnowing fork in his hand to thoroughly clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff of unquenchable fire. John's saying here, the one is coming and he is going to come with his pitchfork in his hand and he's going to pick up the wheat and the chaff together and throw them up in the air. The chaff is going to be burned away and the wheat will remain. The message of John the Baptist is, are you chaff or are you wheat? Are you chaff or are you wheat? The Messiah was coming. Would the people be ready when he came? The Messiah did, in fact, come as we celebrate this Advent season. We look forward to his first coming when Christ came as a child, as a baby. He didn't come with his winnowing fork in hand yet, but God's word says he is coming with his winnowing fork. And so he says, be prepared. But he is still coming. But in the meantime, he is patient. He's not wishing for any to die or perish, but for all to come to repentance. John came and prepared the way for Christ's first coming through the preaching of the gospel and through calling sinners to repentance. And some were ready for the Lord to come, but many weren't. Again, this Advent season, we celebrate the Lord's first coming and we look ahead to when Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, he's coming with his winnowing fork in his hand. Who will prepare the people for his coming? Who will be his messengers to proclaim the gospel? The first messenger came, John the Baptist came, and he fulfilled his message. He prepared the way of the Lord to come. And the Lord came, but he is coming again, and there's still prep work that needs to be done. Who will tell the world what Christ has done? As we move on throughout the text, we see the next messenger. We see the second messenger who is identified here, and we see his mission. At the end of verse 2 and verse 3, it says this, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. This next messenger, the messenger of the covenant who Malachi identifies, he likens here to refiner's fire and fuller's soap. 
refiner's fire, and fuller's soap. These are two things that were used to purify and to cleanse different things. Refiner's fire was used to purify metal, to heat it up to such a temperature that all of the bad things, the impurities, would either burn off or separate, and you'd be left with refined metal, which you wanted to work with, precious metal, and fuller's soap. Not too many of us are familiar with this stuff. It's long before our day. This day and age, we get to pick if we want unscented laundry or scented laundry. Back in the day, they didn't have that choice. But if you had a shirt that you wanted to be made white, you'd bring it to the fuller. And the fuller was located outside on the outskirts of town. He wasn't allowed in the town. And he needed, because of two reasons. Number one, he needed space to lay out his clothes so that they could dry in the sun. But number two, plain and simple, his job stunk. And it wasn't because of the B.O. of the garments that were coming to him. But it was what he was using to make it clean. Fuller's soap. If you look in study Bibles or different notes, it says it's either a special kind of clay mixed together with the putrid urine and some ashes of some special plant. And the fuller would take this mixture and rub it and scrub it into this cloth over and over again and rub a stone on it to try and get all these impurities out and then rinse it and repeat again and again and again until at the end of the day you had a shirt that was white as wool as white as it could possibly be. The fuller's job stunk. It wasn't fun to work with that type of stuff. And the messenger of this covenant comes and he is saying, that Malachi says, he's going to be like refining fire and he's going to be like fuller's soap. His message, his mission was going to be tough. It was going to be dirty. It was going to be a stinky job to do. But he had come to do it. And in the end, after his work is all done, the finished product would be pure and white, and spotless. The passage continues to identify this messenger. He says he'll be a smelter and a purifier of silver. But the product that this messenger is purifying and smelting isn't silver. He's working with something far more precious than silver. The messenger of the new covenant was coming to purify the sons of Levi. The sons of Levi... Now, the sons of Levi were a significant group of Israelites. Not everyone was a son of Levi. The sons of Levi were the ones who were supposed to be leading God's people in worship. They were the ones who would do the sacrifices, to make sacrifices for the sins of the people. They would tell the people what the Lord said to them, and they would bring their requests on behalf of the people to the Lord as well. They were to be pure and holy. They were to be undefiled. They had a strict code, a way that they could live their lives so as not to be unstained or stained by the world. They had a lot of rules to follow. They needed to be pure because if they weren't pure, they couldn't come and offer sacrifices to the Lord or be in his presence. In Malachi chapter 2, the Lord warns the priests that he is going to curse these sons of Levi and that he is going to spread feces on their faces. Now, I don't know what you guys use for makeup or different things like that, but feces is not makeup. It was not something that was going to be a thing that made them pure, something that made them spotless. It was something that would make them abhorrent. No one would want these priests to be walking around with dung on their faces. Yet the Lord says this is what he is going to do to them. No one was going to be happy. The priests for sure weren't going to be happy. And the people weren't going to be happy either. Because if the priests were so defiled and so impure, who was going to make a sacrifice for the people? 
Who was going to tell the people what the Lord was saying to them? The priests needed to be purified because they were defiled. So the sons of Levi needed fuller soap. They needed refining fire. They needed a smelter and a purifier. And the announcement made here in Malachi chapter 3 is a purifier is coming. The smelter is coming. When he comes, who can stand before him? And who can endure the day when he comes? And the simple answer to that question is no one. No one is going to be able to stand that day. No one is going to be able to endure that day in and of themselves. But this messenger knew that. This messenger understood that no one would be able to stand before him when he comes in all of his glory. That no one would be able to go through this fire and come out alive. And so the messenger came himself to go through this process. The messenger came himself to go through the refining fire. Even though he needed no refining in and of himself, he was pure, he was spotless, he had no sin. And yet he took on our sin on him. And that sin needed to be dealt with. And so Jesus came to this world to live amongst us, to experience the things that we experience, to take on our sin upon himself. He knew it would be painful. He knew what it would cost. Scripture said he would be despised, he'd be rejected, he'd be beaten beyond recognition. It would ultimately cost him his life. And yet Jesus still came willingly, humbly, as a baby to this earth and grew up, all the time knowing that at the end he would be crucified, not for his sin, not for anything that he did, but because of what we've done, people who wouldn't care. And he would do this because in the end it was the only way for these sons of Levi to be purified. It was the only way for God's people to be pure. It was the only way for you and I to be pure. And it was the only way that anyone could stand at the day when he comes again with winnowing fork in hand. We're not going to be able to stand in our own good works or in our own resumes, whatever that, that might be or whatever it looks like. It's not by us living sinless lives. It's not by doing a list of do's and don'ts. But it's by accepting the gift of forgiveness which is offered to us by this messenger of the covenant and receiving the work that Christ has done for us, who daily forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This messenger was coming to purify the sons of Levi, and in so doing, to purify all who by faith believe and confess as Christ as their Savior. The second messenger came. The first messenger came to prepare the way. And as he came to prepare the way, the second messenger came, and he came to purify the sons of Levi. And so now the sons of Levi can be pure, but not just the sons of Levi. Anyone who by faith believes in Christ, that means you, yes, you can be pure. Not because of things that you do or don't do, not because of what you've done in the past, but you can be pure because of what Christ has come to do, to purify you and to bring forgiveness for your sins. By believing in Christ. The second messenger came to purify the sons of Levi. And as Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, that mission was accomplished. But the reason given in our text for purifying the Levites here is more than just for purifying the Levites. But the text continues on and it says, So that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. The messenger was coming to present. 
A messenger was coming to present an offering in righteousness, one that would be pleasing to the Lord, one that he would accept. But not just that his offering would be pleasing and acceptable to the Lord, but so that the sons of Levi could offer pure and acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Here in Malachi, we see that he would make the offering of Judah and the offering of Jerusalem pleasing to the Lord again. Earlier in the book, God told his people to stop offering sacrifices. He says, I wish that you would stop doing it. I'm not listening. I'm not accepting them, and they are not pleasing to me. Stop it. Because God's people were coming, and they were not pure, and they were not doing it with a heart of repentance. His, their offerings were not acceptable to him. Which makes us ask the question, what would it make to have an offering pleasing to the Lord? What do we possibly have in ourselves that we can bring to the king, the creator of the universe, that is pleasing to him? What kind of offering do we have that's presentable to a king? And you might say, I'm just a mom trying to scrape by, trying to make ends meet. Or I'm just working at a factory or whatever it is. I'm just trying to farm this land so that I can put food on the table for me. What kind of offering can I bring to the king? that would be acceptable to him. King David tells us what kind of offering is, is acceptable to the king, is acceptable to God. He says in Psalm chapter 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A heart that breaks over your own sin, one that acknowledges that I have nothing to offer God, that I am a poor and miserable sinner. Who am I? to stand before his presence, but one in that moment who holds on to the purifying power of Christ and the forgiveness found only in Jesus Christ and holds on to him by faith. That is the offering that is acceptable to him. He says, God, in my own power I am nothing, but because of what Christ has done for me, I can be forgiven. And because of what Christ has done for me, I can stand before your presence and I'll be ready when you come again. And as we believe in Jesus Christ and whatever we do, as it is done in faith and as Christ is living inside of us, whatever we do is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Whatever offering we bring is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord, not because it's a mighty gift that we're giving to him or not because we're really sacrificing giving it to him but because Christ is living in us and through us. There used to be this idea that in order to please God, you had to be someone super spiritual. Maybe it means waking up at four hours in the morning and reading your Bible for two hours before going to work, and that's a great thing. But doing that in and of itself does not make you super spiritual, and doing that in and of itself does not make you ready for Christ to come back. Back in the day, men and women would leave everything behind. They would leave their jobs, some leave their families, and go and apply to live in a monastery or a convent, thinking, surely God will be pleased with me now. Look at all the things that I have sacrificed for him. But when we divorce our works from the purifying work of Christ, when we do our own works thinking that we are pleasing to him because of the amount of sacrifice that we have done for him, nothing is pleasing to him. When we divorce our works from the purifying work of Christ, nothing is pleasing to him. 
Meaning you can feed a hundred people out of your own, the goodness of your own heart. But if you don't have faith in Christ, that doesn't please God. And it's not an acceptable practice or not acceptable sacrifice for him. But when our works are united to Christ in faith, as we are united with him, then whatever we do is pleasing to him. And whatever sacrifice we do, even if it's just making a sandwich for your neighbor down the street, that is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. One theologian mentions, mentions Luther's take on all of this. And he says, all of life in this world is a realm for Christian service and that our everyday activities in the workplace, the culture, the church, and especially the family are vocations from God, meaning they're all callings from God. And he goes on to say that Luther believed that changing a baby's diaper is a holier work than all the monks in all the monasteries combined. A holy work. Why? Because the mother and the father are loving and serving their child. And in God's eyes, this is holy, and so are other works of the family life. I've changed a few diapers in my day, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's a holy work. But as I change a diaper of my child, as you've changed diapers of your children, God is pleased because as Christ is living in you, Christ is serving that child, providing for their daily needs through you. And that sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord. What the author is getting at here is whatever our service to God be, whether it be a hymn of praise, whether it be changing a diaper, cleaning floors, farming land, making meals for your family, or serving residents in a nursing home, as you are living out your life, believing in Jesus Christ, that is a pleasing sacrifice to God. The mission of the messenger was to purify his people in order that whatever they could bring sacrifices that would be pleasing again to the Lord, that he would be accepting them. And whatever the sacrifice or the offering might be, as it's offered in faith, and as Christ is working in you and through you, it's pleasing to God. No matter how many zeros are behind it or no matter how much sweat, blood, and tears goes into it, it's pleasing to the Lord because it's offered in faith. A messenger on a mission. John the Baptist was a messenger on a mission, preparing the way of the Lord. Jesus Christ was a messenger on a mission, taking on himself our sin to purify us, to purify the sons of Levi, so that those who believe in him would be blameless, pure, and holy, and spotless, forgiven. And he came also so that we, so that he could offer a sacrifice pleasing to the Lord, so that our sacrifices would be pleasing and acceptable to God. These first two missions have been completed. They've been fulfilled. But there's still work to be done. And today, Christ has made you his messenger as you have received him in faith. Because like John the Baptist said, he is coming with his winnowing fork. And as Malachi says in verse 5, he's coming to draw near for judgment as well. Christ is coming again. And people need to be prepared. They need to be ready. So first and foremost, he calls us to receive the work that he has come to do for each one of us, to receive him by faith and be forgiven. And secondly, to prepare the world for when he comes again. And how do we do this? The same way as John the Baptist, proclaiming the gospel to people by loving and serving our neighbor. And as we are doing that, Christ is serving them, that they would see our Father and glorify our God who is in heaven. And to present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices, pleasing to God. Friends, you and I are messengers on a mission. May God in his grace strengthen us 
for the mission that he has called us to. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Thank you for sending messengers on a mission to go before us to prepare the way for your first coming. And Lord, thank you for coming to fulfill the mission that the Father has sent you to do, to be the Savior of the world, to save us from our sins. We praise you for that. And to make our sacrifices pleasing and acceptable to you, O God. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to live out our lives, to prepare those around us as well for your second coming, knowing that you are coming. And when you come, Lord, who can stand before you on our own good works? But Father, as we stand before you in Christ, in faith, we will not only stand before you, but you will take us home to live with you forever. We praise you for that hope. We thank you for that hope. And Lord, we pray that those around us would also know this hope and receive this hope in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.